This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. A major battle has broken out between the progressive wing of the Democratic Party and the White House over the ending of the federal eviction moratorium. Just before lawmakers were getting ready to fly to their home districts for summer break, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki announced that the ban on evictions enacted during the early days of the pandemic would be expiring. Progressive House representatives such as Cory Bush of Missouri camped out on the steps of the Capitol to protest what she sees as inaction on the part of the Biden administration. Representative Bush told CNN, the House is at recess. People are on vacations. How are we on vacation when we have millions of people who could start to be evicted tonight? Joining me to help answer that question and explain more of what's happening around the country on the federal eviction moratorium is Eric Tars, legal director of the National Homelessness Law Center. Welcome to the program, Eric. Thanks so much for having me. So there's some context and background that we should explore here first on the legal front. Uh, there is a Supreme Court decision uh, where Brett Kavanaugh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, wrote an opinion that's at play here. And then there's also what the Biden White House is saying, that the CDC is the decider on whether to extend this federal eviction moratorium or not. Can you start with the Supreme Court? What did Kavanaugh say? Um. Sure. So the the case at the Supreme Court was basically about whether or not the uh, eviction moratorium was a constitutional action, whether the whether Congress had constitutionally allocated the power to do something like an eviction moratorium to the Centers for Disease Control. And uh, the assessment of Four, five members of the court was that uh, they couldn't do that, which we obviously disagree with. Many lower courts disagreed with. Um, but uh, Brett Kavanaugh cast the deciding vote saying, I don't think that the CDC has the power to do this. But uh, given that the moratorium at that point would expire in just a few weeks, he said, and, and given the clear harm that it would do, uh, he chose to let it stay in place while um uh until until it expired and at that point he also said congress does have the power to explicitly say that uh the cdc has this power he just didn't think it was in the general grant of power that congress had given to the cdc uh previously mm -hmm. and so uh at that point congress should have been on notice that they had to act um but they didn't uh and uh somehow we're, we're thinking that the administration would still extend it administratively, um, even though the, the administration very quickly signaled that they wouldn't be doing that. Um, uh, and, uh, and so at, um, on last Friday, we heard uh, the, um, uh, the president's press secretary say that, you know, this issue is out there, the president won't be extending the moratorium and it was up to Congress to act. Um, but then uh, how the House went home, uh, leaving people who may be evicted from their homes because of their inaction. And, and you know, frankly, that seems uh, very inexcusable in light of uh, the extreme harm that we know will come. The, the whole reason the CDC put in place the moratorium in the first place um, was, in fact, because Congress failed to act last summer uh, to extend the moratorium that they had originally put in place right at the beginning of the pandemic 
And the reason that the CDC acted, the reason the House acted is because we know uh, that having people uprooted from their homes, forced to mix around in eviction courts with um, you know, doubling up with family and friends at this point in the pandemic, when Delta is resurging to the points uh, where we're seeing numbers of infections like we haven't seen since the beginning of the pandemic, you know, it, all of the reasons, uh, all the public health reasons that were in place at the beginning of the pandemic are here again. And so there's no reason we shouldn't be extending this moratorium as a very reasonable way of uh, preventing the overcrowding of our hospitals and, um, and infections and death. Now, I understand that another big part of the problem is that the federal government allocated money to states, to localities, to provide rent relief. Uh, but a lot of these states and local governments were unable to enact the programs in time or created processes that were so onerous for renters to have to fill out that a lot of the money just has gone unused. Some are saying, why not give that money directly to landlords so that they aren't uh, resorting to evicting uh, renters? Um, I mean, I think the, 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 there's a, uh, an immediate term issue here and a longer term issue. The immediate term issue is that Congress actually did come through with the uh, level of rental assistance that was needed to, uh, to fill in the gap for the people who had lost their jobs through no fault of their own uh, as a result of the pandemic and, um, and then distributed it out to the states. It got out there much more slowly than we would have liked to see. HUD was slower in uh, developing the guidance on it for states to be implementing it. This is the housing um, department. Than we would have, uh, the housing and urban development department. Um, uh, and so, uh, so yeah, so as of um, earlier this month, you know, only a, a three or 5% of the funds had actually been spent, um, meaning that 95% of the people out there who needed this aid uh, hadn't gotten it. And wow. in some parts that's because of the, uh, the delay in simply getting it out there. Um, and in some parts, as you said, their um, states were kind of free to implement their own guidelines on uh, the application processes. Uh, we were certainly encouraging them to be as permissive as possible. It's far better for, you know, a small amount of people who don't need the funding uh, to get it and, and be able and then have to pay it back later than it is to be being overly restrictive and then having lots of people who needed the money not be able to get it. And, and that's unfortunately what we've been seeing. And so, um, yeah, so it's uh, what we need right now is, is simply more time um, for the eviction moratorium to be extended. Um, and uh, there's other things that, you know, state courts um, and other actors could be doing. We could be requiring any landlord who files for an eviction to actually have to uh, provide certification that they've notified their tenants or that they themselves have actually applied for these uh, rental uh, relief payments on behalf of the tenants. Um, and that would that would prevent anybody who deserves this money from being able, uh, but who hasn't gotten it yet, from being evicted. And so that's I think the the direction we really need to go in is um, putting the burden on a landlord before they file for an eviction because they're the repeat players. They know these systems much better, 
It's not like somebody who's in the middle of a, an eviction crisis is going to know to you know go file uh, an application. Um, they're they're new to this process, but the, the landlords are the repeat players. The burden should be on them, uh, you know, always uh, uh, to make sure that uh, they've connected uh, their tenants with any necessary aid that that could help them stay in their homes. Um, but especially now. Tell me about what some of the progressive House representatives did to try to urge the White House to take more leadership on this representative. Cori Bush, I mentioned, camped out on the steps of the U.S. Capitol. She was joined by several others. Some senators came and showed support. Other representatives like Maxine Waters showed support. Bernie Sanders showed up. Um, and, and, and you know, look, uh, reporters reporting from the ground in Washington, D.C., said that the last few days have been very very interesting, some bizarre sort of standoffs and, and a sense that the Democrats are in disarray about this. So what has been happening in D.C. around this? Um, yeah, so uh, Representative Cory Bush is our one member of Congress who has uh, openly talked about her own personal history, her lived experience of homelessness uh, with her children living in her car. And uh, you know, that makes her especially sensitive to this issue. And she knows the harms that are going to be visited unnecessarily on literally tens of millions of Americans uh, because this eviction moratorium hasn't been extended. Um, and then other members of the Progressive Caucus, uh, many with, you know, their own lived experiences, if not of homelessness, of housing instability, of poverty, um, uh, were there showing up uh, next to her because they understand too. You know, this is an issue that uh, has impacted them in the past. The history of evictions, history of needing to leave your uh, apartment even if you aren't being formally evicted because you can't afford the rent. Um, and yeah, it appears that there's there's a disconnect between some parts of uh, the Democratic Party uh, with this this issue that's deeply impacting their constituents. And whether you look at it as an economic justice issue, as a racial justice issue, um, you know, this is an issue that uh, will be uh, disparately impacting uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color um, because uh, the more of those individuals are in the rental market to begin with and more of those individuals have lost their jobs um, or had hours cut back because of the, the pandemic. So this is an issue and, you know, more of them aren't vaccinated. Um, and so for so many reasons, economic, public health, um, racial justice, all of these reasons should say this is this is an easy issue. This is a preventable um, issue for, for the uh, Congress to be intervening on. And they've they've been failing to act. So um, even House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who, of course, has uh, not uh, criticized President Biden, put out a statement. She's, uh, you know, said that she was caught off guard when Press Secretary White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki last week essentially said that the White House would not be renewing the federal uh, eviction moratorium. So is the White House passing the buck to the CDC? Uh, does your organization feel that the administration should really, in the short term, to get this, you know, to prevent people from being evicted, you know, use its authority as it has, even though the White House is saying it doesn't have the authority, that it's all in the hands of the CDC? Um. 
I, I think there, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, as a legal organization, I appreciate where the administration is coming from. There are very big legal risks to uh, trying to do something again that the Supreme Court has explicitly said uh, you don't have the power to do. Uh, and, um, you know, to some extent, each uh, side is trying to pass the buck to the other. And it, in the meantime, it's the people of the country who are suffering for that. So, um, you know, Sen uh, Speaker Pelosi could reconvene the House. They could, um, uh, you know, try and whip votes on this immediately. Um, and that's that's the clear, easy solution that that the Supreme Court laid out. They said, you know, the administration doesn't have the power to do this on their own, but Congress does. Congress can grant this power to the CDC or to some other part of the administration to do this. And so, you know, th they are. Um, you know, from from my perspective, it's more in Congress's hands. Um, the the administration could take some immediate steps, but they would be immediately um, blocked by the courts. And in the you know, the likelihood is that it might end up doing more damage to the president's emergency powers to act. Um, mm. So it, it, you know, I so it seems that the Supreme Court is where. <laughs> <laughs> we really see, you know, and, and Vox had an interesting piece on this saying that it's been lost, that it's, the blame truly lies with the Supreme Court, with Kavanaugh's decision. Uh, maybe yet another reminder that the conservative majority of the Supreme Court, the six to three majority that conservatives now enjoy in the court, continues to have far and wide repercussions in so many aspects of American life. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the um, Many of the lower courts very reasonably found, you know, it's very clear that the CDC has the power to take uh, actions in the context of something like a, a national pandemic to preserve public health. And this is right in line with the kinds of actions that um, that they could be taking just because it's not explicitly listed out. Um, the statute is clear that it's not an exclusive list that you know, there are, could be other steps that would be necessary. And so, yeah, the, the, the Supreme Court was way out of line with its decision. Um, but nonetheless, it's the decision that we have. And if the administration immediately goes to court uh, or, you know, tries to do something to override that decision, um, other groups can take them to the court and the lower courts will be bound by the Supreme Court precedent to say, no, you, you don't have this power. So, you know, that's, it would get it would gain us a day at most and um you know while the, the courts <laughs> were issuing their injunction um so it's really it really is in congress's hands to to act what about cory representative cory bush's unhoused bill of rights which seems to be a sort of longer term solution of course in the short term there is, uh, you know, just the, the extension of the bill of the federal eviction moratorium, uh, which is, of course, subject to all of the dynamics, uh, inter-party dynamics. But even future legislation would be subject to inter-party dynamics. Still, something to aspire to. Is it something to aspire to what Cori Bush has put forward in her unhoused bill of rights, as it's called? Yes. Um, so we were really thrilled to work with Representative Bush's office, as, as I said, you know, our member of Congress with lived experience of homelessness to put forth uh, the unhoused bill of rights. It's not uh, binding, but it gives kind of a sense of Congress, a sense of the house as to uh, the direction that we need to go. And, uh, you know, among those, uh, the features of the bill are 
some immediate rights for people experiencing homelessness, the right not to be criminalized uh, for sleeping, for uh, sheltering themselves, for other actions of basic survival that they need to take in the absence of adequate alternatives in our communities. Um, but also it looks at the longer term solutions, the, um, the housing system that we need to have in place so that um, you know, if we had a universal housing voucher system in place prior to the pandemic, none of this would have been an issue. We would have had um, anybody who needs to apply for housing assistance would be able to get it. We'd have the infrastructure in our communities already to be able to distribute that aid in a, a, a timely manner. And all you'd have to do is say, you know, I, I can't afford my rent and I need to um, have a, a voucher that will pay enough of my rent so that I only have to pay 30% of my income for it. And, and if that infrastructure were in place, then, then we would have been protected from a public health standpoint. We would be protected from this potential eviction crisis. So, you know, it really does look and put uh, the, would put the house on the record as supporting these kinds of longer term solutions that are actually going to prevent and end homelessness in the long term. We're hearing that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has announced uh, that the recess uh, for representatives will be cut short and presumably she will try to bring them all back in for a vote. Um, you know, Democrats do have a majority, but not a very huge majority in the House. They don't even have it necessarily for very long. Um, if Pelosi brings the House back into session and tries to extend the federal eviction moratorium legislatively, then it gets kicked to the Senate. Is this the kind of bill that Republicans will join Democrats, um, and does it also need a filibuster-proof 60-vote majority to pass? Um, I think this, uh, I, I'm not sure uh, uh, whether this could be passed through a reconciliation pro process or if um, you know the Republicans would threaten to filibuster it. I would certainly hope that they, <laughs> they wouldn't. You know, whether you're on the right or the left of the spectrum, this is about your constituents who have been impacted by the COVID pandemic. Um, and, you know, you can't say that, you know, there's a personal responsibility element here. You know, that's a, a false flag at any point. No, but they'll do it anyway, a, but, but we'd like <laughs> for them to not. <laughs> <laughs> we'd like for them to not. And, and um, you know, this is about, uh, you know, a, a an act of God, a, you know, something beyond all of our control, and the public health implications um, can't be denied. If we have uh, tens of millions of people uprooted from their homes, um, you know, that's going to be uh, just a recipe for a breeding ground for for spreading the pandemic further, deepening its impact in our communities, making it harder to get back to the economic progress that we all want to see. And, you know, this is a temporary situation uh, in our country, but it could leave lasting impacts on people's records. Just one eviction on your record can make it harder to rent, harder to locate you and your family um, where you want to be uh, for a lifetime. And so um, and leave you with with debt, leave you um, with, uh, you know, these uh, court cases that will follow you around. Um, so it, it really is something where an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of the cure. Um, and so, you know, hopefully people will be able to, to agree to that. And even if they don't vote for it, if they can at least not filibuster it and allow it to go through 
uh, with a, you know the Democratic majority. Um, you know the president has indicated he would sign it. I hope that all of the the Democratic um, uh, leaders in the House, as well as uh, on the president's side, would be supporting this and pushing very hard for it to to go through. And I would hope that the Republican leadership would would agree to that as well. Eric, do you have the website for your organization, the National Homelessness Law Center? Uh, sure, we're at nlchp.org. Uh, and we'll post a link to that from our website as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Good luck to you. Thanks for covering this important story, Sonali. Thank you. My guest has been Eric Tars, legal director of the National Homelessness Law Center. We've been discussing the ending of the federal eviction moratorium. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and watch all of our video interviews. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Are You With Sonali.